Good morning, everybody. Oh, that was weak. Come on. Good morning. There we go. Everybody's awake now. Had your uh, heavenly nectar. My name is Pastor Derek. I just want to welcome you guys to Connect. Have we had a good worship experience so far? I tell you what, we got a great worship team. They can sing too, huh? Some of you guys can't sing very good. Some of you guys are like prison singers. You ever heard that story? You're behind a few bars without a key. Oh, come on. That was good. That was good. Anyway, I'm just kidding. You can make a joyful noise. The Bible says so, so that's good with me. want to welcome you guys to Connect this morning. Uh, I just have a few things to talk to you about, one of them being Easter. Everybody say Easter. Easter. So that is just right around the corner, and we want to make sure that you guys know what's coming up and what's going on. Um, but, but first of all, I want to just say as pastor how important it is to invest and invite your friends. This is the best opportunity of the year, hands down, to connect with people who, uh, you know, you've wanted to come to church. Have you ever had somebody you wanted to come to church with you? Yes. Nobody else but me? Okay. So I don't, I don't raise my hands in church. I'm Baptist. Uh, whatever. Uh, Whatever your background is, it's okay to raise your hands in church here today, okay? But um, we just want to encourage you to take that opportunity. You know, sometimes you got to make that opportunity. And, and uh, this is the best time to get the highest percentage chance of a yes to an invitation to come to church. And after all, it is the high holiday. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is something that should be very celebrative, and it should be something that people are at. And so we're called, according to God's word in Luke chapter 14, to eliminate the excuses about coming to church. And if you look at that yourself, you're going to see a story in there where God gets kind of upset with people that have a bunch of excuses. And he says, hey, you guys need to get in, from in here, need to get out there. And you, it says you need to compel them to come Come in so that my house will be full. That's, say, that's my responsibility. Not pastor's responsibility. That's my responsibility as a saint. That's, but we're all saints. So as pastor, I'm called to equip you, and that's what I'm doing right now. But as a saint, we're all called to go and compel people to come from the street to the seat. Amen? And so I want to encourage you to do so. Um, also, I want to make you also aware, also, I'm going to say also, also, that everybody needs to have tickets for Easter. All the tickets are free. Everybody say free. free. So don't say tickets. You're charging people to come to church. No, no, absolutely not. But we do want to be able to prepare our services, um, you know, so they're fit for a king. And we're doing our best to know how many people are going to be showing up. We're expecting a lot of people on Easter. Every year, usually the attendance of the church doubles on Easter. So, you know, um, and it should, and it should. It's a great opportunity to be able to reach people. But you guys need a ticket. If you are serving on a Sunday, or if you're coming to one more than one service, you need a ticket for each service. If you're not in a seat, you still need a ticket. If you have children, you still need a ticket. If you have a baby in your womb, you need a ticket for the baby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Does everybody understand? We all need tickets for every service, okay? So tickets are available in Guest Central downstairs. Our services are 8.30, 10, and 11.30. The services are 65 minutes long, and um, so they're going to be a little shorter than normal, but they're going to be awesome. We have an incredible service planned for you. We also have invite cards so that you guys, we want to make your job easier telling people about your church and connecting them to God. That's our vision. So if you connect them to church, we're going to help you connect them to God. In a godly place, in godly people. Amen? Amen. So we got to partner up. You know people I don't know. And you may not be able to say it the way I can say it. So let's be friends. Let's partner up. You invite your friends, and I'll invite, and I'll invite Jesus to be their friend. And then we'll have a great time. Wouldn't that be awesome? So in order to do that well, we have some invite cards. So this is just one that will be down in Guest Central as well. This is an all-play for everybody. And then we also have... Um, invitations for our Easter extravaganza. It will be excellent. Okay, so our Easter extravaganza is on March 28th. That's the week before Easter on a Saturday, not a Sunday. So it's eight days before, technically. And um, this is for children walking through, I believe, uh, uh, ages nine or something like that. Or maybe it's 11. I can't remember. They'll tell you downstairs in Guest Central. Invitations are going out today in Connect Kids. So more information will come down there. If you're going to bring your kids to the Easter extravaganza, which will be excellent, um, you need to bring a friend. That's the only catch. So this isn't for you. This is for the community. Everybody get that? So it's an easy way. So sometimes you want to bring somebody to church, 
but it's just a little scary for you. And so an easy way to invite them to your church is to invite them to our Easter extravaganza. Come on, everybody say extravaganza. Isn't that fun? It just sounds fun. It's excellent. All right, so it's an easy way. And they're going to get a tour of the entire building because this whole church is going to be filled with games and prizes and eggs everywhere. It'll be excellent and exciting. Uh, so you bring your, your neighbor, you know, and their kids to church. They're already going to have been here once. And so then the following week's even easier. And one of the biggest barriers for people to come to church is just walking through the front doors of the church. And so we decided to have the Easter extravaganza right here at Connect. Amen? So all those resources are available downstairs. In addition, for those of you who are on social media, we have things that you can share on Instagram. Please do so. We have things on Facebook that you can share. Please do so on Twitter. And then if you would join us on our Easter event. So if you go to our Facebook, if you haven't been there, please go like that. Let us know you were there, but also join our Facebook, uh, excuse me, our Easter um, event page. You just join, and then right on that, you can invite all your friends to church. We've already invited 1,500 people through the event page. So you guys are doing a good job. We're doing our part, but it's important that you all go, join, let us know you're coming. So a lot of people have invited people, but about 200 have said they're coming. So we know more than that are coming. So we need you guys to make your decisions and commit to be in church on Easter. Does that sound good? Did I? Hopefully my staff says I did okay and I got everything in there. Listen, I want to turn the service over to uh, not only a son in the faith, but my actual son. You are blessed to, uh, to, and I'm blessed, and I just want to say how proud I am of my son, not because he's a preacher, but because he's a man of God and because he loves Jesus with all his heart and he's committed and consecrated his life to God. You know, uh, there were many years where we prayed for my son to, uh, you know, surrender to the call of God, much like what Ali was saying. He had one hand on the wheel and one hand in the world, but God has got him in a position where he's got both hands off the wheel and God is using his life in a powerful way. You're going to be totally, totally blessed. I, I just pray that you guys open up your heart and get ready to get challenged and provoked uh, to good works. Are you guys ready for this? So you give it up for Devin Fry as he comes to preach the word of God. Come on. Yeah. Go get him, son. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? Feeling good? Feeling good? Good. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, when he was just saying uh, all that good stuff at first, I was like, who is this guy he's talking about? And then I remember, oh, I'm preaching. That's me. So uh, I'm pretty excited to uh, share the word today. Are you prepared to hear the word? Good. Uh, here's what you need to know about me is uh, I'm pretty charismatic. I uh, am a man full of passion. I love to preach. It's one of my favorite things to do on the planet. And uh, I just need you to holler back at me. If you've never heard me before, would you raise your hand real fast? Wow, there's a good amount of people that never heard me before. Um, I just want to ask you guys to just uh, really holler at me. You can say amen, say amen. amen. You can say preach, say preach. preach. You can say holler at your boy. You can say whatever you want. Uh, for my Brazilians, Hispanics, you guys can say, I'm meu Deus. <laughs> Hello. I got a Brazilian girlfriend. You don't need Rosetta Stone. You just need a Brazilian girlfriend. That's all you need. So uh, Brazilian girlfriends, uh, they're awesome. So I, I have one. She's amazing. So uh, feel free to holler at me. You can say anything you want. Everybody just say something on three. One, two, three. That's good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's awesome, man. Hey, um, I am the director of the 508 uh, ministry. A lot of people have been hearing about us lately, and I'm so excited to see what God is doing in our midst. Um, I just want to give you guys a quick update. The 508 is uh, our next generation ministry here at Connect. And on Friday nights, we meet at 8.30, um, and we've just seen some amazing things happen. In regular attendance lately, we've been seeing an average of about 115 to 120 people at church on a Friday night uh, down here in the low auditorium, packing this place out. We've seen 15 salvations in the past three weeks, uh, countless people getting prayed for at the altar. It's just been absolutely amazing. Keep praying for us. Uh, keep giving us your money. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't do it anyways, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. But seriously, keep praying for us because we got a mighty work to do because there's a lot of young people out there who need what's in here. Amen? Amen? Awesome. I get a lot of adults asking me and calling me. They're like, hey, Dev, yeah, I know, like, the 508 is kind of for, like, young people and stuff. But, like, am I allowed to, like, I don't know, come or something? And I always respond with, no, you're old. Stop it. So, <laughs> so it's church for young people. You guys should be young nowadays because it's a good thing to be young and be in church. Amen? Um, another thing uh, I'd like to say is uh, just, just seeing dad up here, uh, not many people give 
the microphone on the pulpit to a young person at my age. I'm 22 years old. And uh, I just love that we have a pastor that believes in the next generation and we have leadership that does. Uh, it just reminded me of a story pretty recently. We as a family always go to uh, Seabrook, uh, New Hampshire, and we go to the beach down there. And uh, we do it every single year. And I was reminded of a story about three years ago where I was playing in the water, throwing the football with a friend. I sounded so childish, playing in the water. I sounded so like a little girl. But throwing the football uh, in the water with a friend, and all of a sudden I get pelted in the back with, like, all this sand and rocks, and it hurts so bad. I looked around, and it got more and more and more at my face. And what I realized is I looked on the beach, there was this whole sandstorm, what we later found out to be what we called a microburst. And so it was crazy. Anybody know what a microburst is? So it was a microburst. It was, like... The scariest thing. So I'm looking on the shore. I'm looking all along the beach, and there's umbrellas flying. There's towels, uh, people flying everywhere. And uh, it's just mass chaos on the beach. So naturally, my instincts took over, and uh, I just ran to the house line. And I was like, I'm just going to hide behind a house and obviously protect myself. I got to the house line. I looked along the beach, and I saw all this chaos. I'm like, I could probably make a huge difference and help some people. But I'm not, so I'm going to protect myself. And uh, later what I found out was that my dad was actually uh, protecting my whole family, all my sisters, my mom, my grandmother, who else was there? Anybody? Like everybody on the beach. And he just put them all behind his back because he takes steroids. But um, <laughs> just kidding. He, do, he, does, he doesn't take steroids. <laughs> He's a man of God. He doesn't. I'm never going to get the pulpit again. But he puts all these people behind his back. And I thought to myself, what a perfect picture of a pastor. What a perfect picture of a father. Just putting a bunch of people behind his back, taking a beating from whatever it is, the outside world, spiritual uh, repercussions just for what he does. But he just putting everybody behind his back and being such a good shepherd and a good father. Are we grateful for our pastor? Can we give it up for our pastor? We love, we love him, man. Best pastor in the world. Before I get into my message, last thing is I want to welcome our first time, second time, third time guests. If you just are checking out Connect for the first time, we just want to say thank you so much for coming out to our church. Uh, seriously, it's a huge honor. A lot, of people, a lot of places you could be on a Sunday morning, but you chose to be with us. You don't have to uh, behave the way we behave. You don't have to even believe what we believe to belong here. Uh, you just belong here. So keep on coming. We don't judge you. We love you. A lot of people seem to think that uh, church is just for church people. The church exists for the sinner and the saint. Do you agree? Church is this for the sinner and the saint. So we got people who are divorcees. We got people who are still addicted to some stuff. People that are hungover from last night, making bad decisions, ex-cons, and that's just the church staff. But if we, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, sort of. <laughs> Pastor Deej, he's got a, he's got a crit. No, I'm just kidding. He's awesome, man. <laughs> but don't think that uh, you don't belong here because you do. Uh, I just think there's a lot of people who need this church and need a church, and uh, you are welcome here. Amen. Awesome. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, if you got it. Uh, can you just raise up your Bible if you have a paper Bible? Where are the really spiritual people? Oh, shoot. Look at all the spiritual people up in here. It's good. And then raise your Bible if you have like an iPad or iPhone. Oh, man, we need to pray for you guys. Holy Lord. Y'all need a paper Bible. Those are the really spiritual Christians up in here. That being said, I'm going to read off the electronic Bible on the screen really fast. I just like the way this version says it. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 today. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. When you're there, say, I'm there. All right, all right. You guys ready for it? Here we go. Proverbs chapter 11, uh, verse 30, and it says this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Somebody say tree of life. And he that wins souls is wise, is wise, is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, but he that wins souls is wise. Today, I want to preach a message to you that I've entitled, Release the Lion. Release the Lion. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, uh, release the lion. Release the lion. Now, turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, uh, I hate cats. I hate cats. Release the lion. <laughs> Hey, man, I, I want to talk about this passage of Scripture. This is kind of the basis of our message today. But I really want to talk about how a lot of uh, Christians, uh, we need to do our job. And uh, our job here is to save some souls. Now, what does that necessarily mean? It means just a lot of us in here need to realize that God has given us this call, this command, where we need to go out to the people who are lost. That's what the Bible deems them as, people who don't know God yet. Yet is the key word right there. But we're supposed to go out and save some souls and bring them back to God. I just believe that this message is going to change our church. This, is, this has been my genuine prayer request to God is that, God, would you change our church? And what I think that Under the Influence series, which, by the way, was an amazing series. Who loved Under the Influence? Oh, my gosh, it was amazing. 
Seriously. I love how our pastor says it, but under the influence is really designed to set some Christians free, set some people free for some things. And I went up to the altar almost every single week just asking for prayer, asking for healing on some stuff uh, because I just needed to get whole, honestly. I just needed to get some free... Uh, get some freedom from, uh, from God, from the altar, and that's what I did. I think under the influence set us free, but I pray today that God would set us on fire. I think our church needs to be set on fire, and, uh, and there's going to be some good stuff and good fruit that comes out of today. Amen? I asked a question to my friend, and he said, um, I asked him, hey, uh, I know you don't come to our church. I know you have your own church, but you've been here a few times. Uh, give me one or two adjectives to describe Connect. And he goes, well, of course, Connect is extremely friendly. And I said, oh, what an awesome compliment, what an awesome adjective to describe our church. But uh, just through prayer and devotion and even just reading that past scripture, um, I pray and we add another adjective. I pray we become extremely friendly but incredibly focused. I pray that we have a church that is incredibly focused to do what our job is and that's to save some souls. So I just believe this message is going to change our church. Would you agree with me? Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into this place. Uh, We just ask that you would speak to us, Lord. Uh, Speak to us in a way we've never uh, maybe been spoken to before. Give us some fresh vision. Give us some new insights, God. Set your church on fire. Set your church on fire. I pray that, God, that today's not just another meeting. It's not just a regular uh, attendance service where we can check off this obligatory check mark and say, I came to church this week. May we have just a revival meeting that, that there's just something different about this night, about this day. And uh, God, may we be uh, not just hearers of the word, but doers. May we have some people that are developed as leaders, go out as new Christians and new people. We speak salvation in Jesus' name in this place, and we just believe you, God, you're going to do some amazing things today. Also, we thank you that we are New England Patriots, and we are champions. And everybody said a good big amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Hey, uh, question for you. Anybody in here ever been uh, fishing? Just by a hand raise. Uh, Anybody ever been fishing? Okay, so here's one thing you need to know about me is uh, I'm a terrible fisherman, terrible. Um, I feel like whenever I go to a beach in a boat and I have a fishing rod, uh, the relationship with me and fish are like two magnets that are a north end and a north end meeting. They just, they just go against each other. If I walk onto shore or go on a boat, I feel like the fish all see me coming, and then uh, and they just give this message to each other and say, hey, disperse, Devin's here. Uh, I'm not going to come here anymore. And don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this, so just, just follow me for a little bit. So I go to Florida. I went to Bible College in Florida, and one of my best friends down there, his name is Gavin Hawkins. Now, um, Gavin is really a woodsy kind of guy. He's, he's a local there, so he's just naturally good at fishing. He's just really good at all this kind of stuff. And so I get to Florida, and we just develop this relationship. And one day he says, Dev, come fishing with me. I want you to come fishing. And I said, Okay, here's what you need to know. I'm a pretty terrible fisherman. I just got to let you know. He goes, I'll train you. I got you. So I'm like, okay, fine. I sign up for this job. We go down to Sarasota, which is the city that we were living in, and we go underneath this bridge. Anybody been to Sarasota before, by the way? Oh, we got a few people. That's awesome. So we go to this bridge. We go by this pier. He goes up to this bait shop, buys two buckets of bait, which are a bunch of shrimp. Now, another thing you need to know about me is uh, I, like, I hate slimy stuff. So stop judging me already. I can feel the judgment. I, I just hate slimy stuff, okay? Uh, so, like, another thing is, like, when I grill burgers uh, and stuff, and I'm a pretty good griller, uh, when I put a raw piece of meat on this grill, I always have to wash my hands, even though I know I'm going to put another piece of meat on the grill. I just I have this thing about me. So dealing with shrimp and dealing with some of that slimy stuff, it kind of grosses me out. Now, now, you need to know that ahead of time. This is an important fact. So he buys these two bait buckets, and then I grab one, he grabs the other. We both have our fishing rods, and we go fishing. So we go by this pier, and I'm standing right next to him, and he goes, Dev, you got to go off to this side. You have to go and separate from me. And so I'm like, okay, why? He goes, because you're going to fish over there, and what if our two rods got hooked or, and lined together? And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So I go over here, and I'm like, hey, Gav, um, here's what I need you to do. I need you to, to, to get me this bait and put it on my hook because I, I just I can't do it. Because I'm too scared. And he, this is what he sounds like. He sounds like a total bro. He goes, bro, are you serious, bro? What? Dude, man up, bro. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and do this. Here we go. So you got to know there's this like big bait bucket, and there's probably 25 shrimp in this bucket. Now, remember me, I hate slimy stuff. So thinking that I have to go and grab this shrimp and put it in my hand and grasp it, and it's going to tickle my hand. I'm like, <laughs> it still feels so disgusting. But so I know this is going to happen. So... I'm like psyching myself out. I'm like, okay, I got to put this on this hook. Devin, you got to man up. Come on. So you ever been in those moments where you got to like count yourself and you just be like three, two, one, bang. You got to do that thing. So that's what I'm doing. So I'm like, okay, three, 
two, one. I put my hand in the bucket. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's disgusting. I hate these shrimp. So I psych myself up again. I'm like, okay, here's my moment. And so I have this strategy that I've developed is I'm just going to pop my hand in the bucket and then fling some shrimp. And then I'm going to go with my hook and my fishing rod and I'm just going to like stab them and then put the shrimp on the hook. That's what I'm going to do. So three, two, one. I go and throw like literally five shrimp go flying. Gavin's looking at me like, you're an idiot. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing? So finally, I go to one of the shrimp. I get my hook and I'm like, okay, I'm going to hook this thing. Ah, ah, I can't get it. Finally, hook it on the shrimp and I go to the shore. And I pull the lever down, and I'm about to cast off my net. Cast off my net, fling, shrimp goes flying. I have to do this whole process over again. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so terrible, absolutely terrible. Finally get the hook, get the shrimp, and I start fishing. So I say all that to say this. I am a terrible fisherman because the job of the fisherman is to catch fish. Is it not? The job of a fisherman is to catch fish. Um, I would tell you today that the same job that a fisherman has is the same job that a Christian has. We are called to be fishers of Men, go with me to Mark chapter 1. Open your Bibles, Mark chapter 1. We have it right here on screen in just a minute. Mark chapter 1, it says this. As Jesus, walked beside, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were, what? Fishermen. And Jesus said, come, follow me, and then I will send you out to fish for people. Now, here's what you need to know is... If you're following Jesus, you need to know these two things. And these are the most important job descriptions that Jesus gives any disciple, any Christian. Is Number one, you follow Jesus. That's the job of every Christian is to follow Jesus. And number two is the fish for people. And I just believe that this message is going to challenge you. It's going to change you. Because I think a lot of us have neglected this last part. I think we read this scripture really with, with familiar eyes is what I like to call it. As we read over this thing, we've heard it since birth. Like, we're fishers of men. Yes. But I think a lot of Christians have neglected this for such a long time. The Bible says in, uh, I believe it's in Mark or Luke. I can't remember which one it is. But uh, it says Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy. In other words, we are like, uh, the church is like a hospital. And the Christians are like an ambulance. The ambulances are what people would go out to get the sick and bring them back into the house. That's what a, that's what a Christian really is. And the church is like a hospital to get them healthy and to get them whole. But Jesus said his number one priority was to come and go after the sick, not the healthy. And I think a lot of us really need to hear this and be challenged with this because I think we all tend to neglect the fact that we have a job to do and that is to go fish for people. So I have this challenging statement, this challenging question for you. You ought to write it down in your notes. By the way, I apologize. There's a lot of scripture on your notes, but that's for your study next time. It's going to be good stuff. So you shouldn't just listen on a message on Sunday. You should be challenged by it through your Monday through Saturday. That's bonus material. Anyways, I have this challenging thought, this challenging question for you. Really the thesis of my whole message. Write it down in your notes, and this is it. If you're not fishing, are you really following Jesus? If you're not fishing, are you really following? If you're not fishing, are you really following I really want to challenge you guys today with this, is because we're followers, followers of Jesus, really need, we really need to fish for people. If you're not fishing, are you really following? So how do I do that, Dev? Obviously, I can tell this is going to be an evangelistic message, but I'm not an evangelist. I don't have that spiritual gift. I'm not in the office. Reality is, this is not an evangelistic message. This is the message for a Christian. This is a message for somebody who really says, I'm a person of faith. I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not very good at this, Devin. I'm not very good at fishing for people. I'm not very good at fishing for souls. How do I even do that? We're going to zero in on a scripture in Luke chapter 19. So you guys can open up there if you'd like to. Uh, we're going to talk about the story of Zacchaeus. Now, all of us know that song. If you've been raised in churches, everybody sing it with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And no, nobody was raised in church apparently in here. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to. Okay, I guess it's just me, mom, and dad. That's it. Okay, good. Wait, that's a good thing because the church exists for sick people and you're sick people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so in this passage of scripture, there's a really easy strategy that I think all of us in here can do. So all of us would agree, uh, if we're following Jesus, we need to fish for people. Would you agree with that statement? I think all of us need to hear this message because all of us need to re-engage in this thought is if we're following Jesus, we are fishing for people. So go with me to Luke chapter 19. 
We're going to break this scripture down really fast. I think it's just such a simple, simple message and a simple strategy that Jesus did that I believe we can be uh, produced through all of our lives. And we can see some people changed. We can see lives restored, marriages healed. And I just believe that God is calling this church to revival in this community. Does anybody else agree with that? I think we all need to realize that, uh, yes, we have an awesome time in here, but if this doesn't affect out there, then this is a waste of time. It's just the reality. If our Sundays don't change on Monday through Saturday, then we're doing something wrong. Because we need to make sure we're affecting everything out there. And I want to equip you today. I want to give you just a simple, easy three steps that God's going to tell you today uh, where you can be in effect and change your whole community. So Luke chapter 19, go there with me. You getting something out of it so far? Luke chapter 19, and this is the story of Zacchaeus. And I'm starting at verse 1, and it says this, Jesus entered through Jericho and was passing through. Now, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Let me pause you there for a second. Anywhere in this Bible where you see tax collector, these were these people who were absolutely hated. Anytime you saw the word tax collector or the name or the person, there was always negative connotation that was involved. People hated tax collectors because these guys stole money from all these people all the time, and they got really rich and really wealthy off of them. Now, not only that, but Zacchaeus was a chief. Everybody say chief. Chief tax collector, which basically means he was the Hitler of tax collectors. He was a hated man. He was a hated individual because he stole money from all these kind of people. Now, notice the very people we tend to write off as these people that we're just hated by society are the very people that are loved by God. So notice what he says next is, is he wanted to see who Jesus was. And I think this is a cry of a generation. I think this is a cry of a lot of people. A lot of people really want to see who Jesus was and who Jesus is. But oftentimes the church has been the biggest prohibitor of that happening. Now, thank God it's not this church. However, we just know there's been a lot of hurt that are coming from churches, which is why a lot of people are never coming into churches. But people all, all of us have this longing and are so longing to see who Jesus is. So he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because, the crowd, because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, everybody say, reached the spot. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus. Now what you need to know about this is, in history, in, in the history books, we never find out if Jesus and Zacchaeus have ever met before, and yet Jesus calls them by name. How is that? Maybe they heard about each other through the grapevine. Maybe we just... It was just a random thing. I don't, I don't believe that this was a random thing because when Jesus reached the spot, like it said, he said Zacchaeus. In other words, Jesus had a name on his mind, and he wasn't just walking through the city of Jericho by random. He had Zacchaeus' name on his mind, and he was going after him. I thought that was so amazing how he said Zacchaeus. Called him by name and said, I'm coming after you. I'm coming to your house today is the next verse. But here's what you need to know about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' name actually means clean and purified. Contrary to popular belief, uh, a lot of people hated him and would say the exact opposite as disgusting or gross. Uh, what people deem as disgusting, God deems as purified. What people would say is gross, God says you are clean. And just by saying his name, he just spoke it out. There's a principle there. And uh, one thing, my name means obedient. That's what it actually means. And contrary to what my mom still may believe is I'm actually obedient, okay? <laughs> but what, there's this principle there is what you say is what you're going to see. So if you're speaking, hey, Devin, all the time, eventually you're just speaking obedient. Hey, obedient one. Hey, obedient one. Hey, obedient one. And what Jesus is just saying to Zacchaeus, he's just saying, hey, clean and purified one. Although what everybody else would say is disgusting and gross, I say you are clean and purified. Zacchaeus, come down immediately for I must stay at your house today. I love Jesus because he's just like, yo, I'm coming to your crib. Uh, We're going to party and we're going to have some fun. Awesome. He just invites himself over. Hey, I want you to make me food. I want you to clean your house and I'm coming to your house today. What a gangster Jesus is. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Notice this. is Zacchaeus spent just a couple hours with Jesus, and when a man who would be incredibly selfish became ridiculously generous. Just by spending an hour or two with Jesus. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus is just basically saying, hey, because I spent some time with you, now I just know that I need to spend all my money on people. I, I, I need to give back to the poor. I need to give back all this kind of stuff just because he's been with Jesus. 
That was so amazing. You don't need any more strategic uh, strategies or anything like that. You just need to get with Jesus. I'm reminded of uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. You guys know when Peter and John, uh, they do all these miracles, and these people are just like, these are untrained, ordinary men. And then the next verse says, but these guys are something special because they've been with Jesus. I think a lot of people just need to have an encounter with Jesus, and their whole life are going to be dramatically changed. Does anybody else agree with that? I know the reason I'm up on this stage right now is simply because, uh, not because of the family or the bloodline that I'm in, but because I've been with Jesus. That's the reality. Is people don't need any more strategies. They don't need better leadership. They don't need to watch a great teaching. They just need to be with Jesus. And he goes on to say, Jesus said to him, today, everybody say today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I love how it says seek and to save. Jesus came to seek and to save, not to wait and to pray. And I believe that prayer is important. I think if you're ever going to have revival in any kind of place like this, you have to pray first. However, we need some more people who are not just going to pray, but also going to go out and seek. He says to seek and to save. Jesus didn't come to earth just to sit down, sit in his seats on a Sunday morning. He also came out, sat in his seats on a Sunday morning, actually taught often, but he also went out into the community to seek and to save that which was lost. He was a fisher of men. He's calling the same thing to you and I. So there's three points I want to give out uh, just from this passage of Scripture, three things that I believe Jesus did that I believe all of us can do and can change our whole community. Do you want to see your community reached by Jesus? Does anybody want to? Just say a better yes than that. You need, to be, you need to be a little bit more passionate about that. Number one, write it down in your notes. Write it down in your notes. you got to see the need. Number one, see the need. Oh, I know this is going to encourage somebody. you got to see the need. Now, Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, and what everybody saw is Zacchaeus as a greedy person. People saw Zacchaeus as a greedy person in his life, but Jesus saw the hurt that was in his heart. Now, look with me to Luke chapter 18. Uh, just the previous verse before that, there's this parable between a tax collector and a Pharisee. Now, Jesus is speaking. Now, this isn't Zacchaeus specifically, but I think it gives us a great insight into what a lot of people are thinking nowadays. I think this gives us a great insight into even what a tax collector is thinking right here. Luke chapter 18, it goes on and says this. Uh, two men went up to the temple to pray. Two guys just praying at a church together with themselves. Uh, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. Look at, look at the, the pride that a Pharisee has. Pharisee, a Pharisee is just basically this religious scholar that is all about the do's and don'ts of Christianity. This is a person that is all about obligation of religious spirit. This church is not a religious church, by the way. We have a relationship with Jesus, not a religion with Jesus. So uh, if you're a religious person, this is not going to be the church for you. I'm just saying. Um, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. I'm not like these robbers or evildoers or adulterers or even like this tax collector right here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth to all I get. Look at the pride that is in this man. And then look at this description of the tax collector. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But beat his breast and said, God, please have mercy on me for I'm a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the difference between these two men, one of them realized they needed a savior, and the other one thought that their works were their savior. You know, you can't work your way to heaven. All you got to do is you just got to accept Jesus in your heart. If you ever want to get up there, you got to invite Jesus first in here. And so the, he, Jesus just saw this need. Jesus saw the need that was in Zacchaeus' heart. See, all these people are writing Zacchaeus off as though he is just this person who is a, a, a neglect. He, he's neglected. He's got no friends. But Jesus saw the hurt that was in his heart. Instead of writing him off, he actually said, hey, I'm coming to your house, and I'm just going to chill with you at the crib. That's what he's just basically saying. That's just my gangster terminology because i got a lot of uh, hood rat friends. Holla at your boy. But that's what it is. Um, I just thought that was so amazing. Jesus saw the need. So I heard Pastor Chris Hodges, who's an overseer of this church, leads a pretty mini church in Alabama, about four to 30,000 people. But uh, he had this fact that I thought was amazing. And it's really been stuck in my heart. It shook me to my core. Uh, now, before I butcher it, I'm going to actually just read it. Um, the Builder Generation, born in 1927 and 1945. They are 65% Bible-believer based. 65%. That's awesome. That's good. Next generation, the baby boomers, 1946 to 64, uh, 35% of them are Bible believers. Look what the dramatic decrease happened in just 20 years. 
Go to the next generation, the Busters. Uh, born in 1965 to 1983, 16% of them are Bible believers. And then you go on and on and on, and you see my generation. 4% Bible believers in America nowadays. Do you know how hard it is? I'm just saying from experience. Do you know how hard it is to be a young person of faith and publicly proclaim it? It's tough nowadays. So I, I would ask you that, would you please just pray for our, pray for the young people of this community. Pray for, pray for the young people just in America, period, because it is getting more and more difficult. I don't have this in my notes, but just something that I remember. Um, I remember being in high school, a freshman in high school, and people always called me a PK, pastor's kid. I hated it back in the day because I was just figuring out my faith. But I had this big bully who was in my grade. Uh, big, big Joe was his name. Uh, we were actually playing on the same football team, but... Um, I remember Joe used to pick on me all the time. And now that I have muscles, I could totally beat him up, but whatever. That's besides the point. But Joe uh, used to pick on me because I'm this white little scrawny kid. And, uh, and he used to pick me up uh, by my shirt, throw me against the locker, and he used to make fun of me because I wasn't sleeping with all these girls. And I was just, I was just figuring out my faith, and I was just kind of finding my own path. But I just remember being ridiculed for being a Christian. And uh, he would say names that I can't even say right here out loud, but I just remember being absolutely uh, destroyed and distraught going home thinking about, if this is what being a Christian is like, it's, that's, I don't want to be one, you know, and I wrestled through this whole process in my mind uh, through all these high school years, and really, that was a scarring moment for me. Just know that there's a lot of things that are happening like that nowadays for people of faith, which is why adults, I need you guys to pray for us. Pray for the 508. Pray for Activate Middle School Nights. Pray for our Connect Kids because we're raising up a generation that's going to rise up and be an army for Christ. We're not going to be scared of people any longer. But I pray you would understand that this is a tough need nowadays because we are so scarce. Now, because of this church, I pray because of this message that we're going to be set on fire and we're going to see some people be saved more than ever before. And no Christians are going to be alone anymore because we are not going to lose this fight. We're fighting from victory, not for victory. We're fighting because Jesus says he's going to build his church. And we just got to believe that and pray for it. But we need some people who are going to be obedient and say, I'm going to start fishing because I know some people have a desperate need in their souls to see Jesus Christ save their entire life. You got to see the need. I remember Madison, my little sister, who I'm so proud of, and she's doing so good. And she's on our worship team for the 508. She's just doing so good. But she was saying uh, she's working at Honeydew Donuts right down the street right here. And for our online viewers, Honeydew is the local Dunkin' Donuts pretty much. Like how I threw that in, Deej. I didn't forget. But... <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that because it's not professional, but whatever. Um, so she's working at Honeydew Donuts, and uh, she's talking to her two best friends. Two best friends work with her, uh, and she's just talking about her faith, talking about her church. And she's just basically asking her friend, hey, um, are, like, do you know Jesus? Like, are you saved? Do you have faith? And uh, her friend says, no, not really. I mean, uh, I, I've been to this church a couple times, but Madison just goes, have you accepted Jesus in your heart? And she goes, no. And Madison began to bawl her eyes out, crying right in the middle of Honeydew Donuts, because she's saying to me later on, she's just like, I wanted to see my friend get saved. I want to see my friend in heaven. And sure enough, she was just being obedient. She says, well, you have to come to church with me tonight. You have to come to the five way. And what do you know? This girl raises her hand and says, I want to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior later that night. Because one girl saw the need. One girl saw the need, and she went after her. Now, another thing that's even better about that story is that girl's now serving on a photography team. So not only is she getting saved, but she's also getting fulfilled, and she's being a part of something that is greater than herself. I thought that was absolutely amazing. you got to see the need. Everybody say, see the need. Turn to your neighbor and say, see the need. Turn to your neighbor and say, see the need. See the need, see the need, see the need. Number two, you got to make a friend. Number two, you got to make a friend. Make a friend. How am I doing on time? Am I doing all right? got to make a friend. I pray you get something out of this. I've been praying really hard about this message. Number two, you've got to make a friend. What, is that, what did Jesus do to Zacchaeus? He just basically said, hey, I'm coming to your house today. I wish we got some people in this church that said, hey, if you're not coming into my church, I'm going to bring the church to you. I wish we just had some people that say, hey, I'm coming to your house, and we're going to talk about life, we're going to talk about friendship, and not even have a hidden agenda behind it. Jesus is just like, hey, I'm just going to hang out with you. I'm going to build a relationship with you. I love how Jesus is like that. He's such a relational guy. He's, he, just, he just loves people. He seeks after people. He seeks and saves the lost folk. I love how he wasn't scared to be around sinners. How people later on muttered in that same story and just said, wow, he's become a guest of sinners. You know, if you don't have some friends who are 
uh, who are really struggling. I, just, I was just inviting a friend. I'm hoping he comes to second service who's struggling with heroin. He's struggling with a heroin addict. But if you don't have some friends like that, you got you to gotta ask yourself, what am I doing wrong? You know, I think all of us need to have some friends or some uh, people around us in our communities where we really genuinely have some people who are hurting and dying. Because there, whereas, where a person is hurting, there should a Christian be. Because that's exactly where Jesus was. He came to seek and to save that which was lost or people who are broken. It's time to start fishing. you got to make a friend. Number two, make a friend. Let me go back to my notes really quick. you got to make a friend. Uh, in these brief few moments that Zacchaeus spent with Jesus, his whole life changed just because he found out that somebody cared about him. Jesus actually went up to him. Instead of writing him off, he actually accepted him. And, and later on, he accepted him into his heart. Um, I remember this story. It's one of my favorite stories I get to share. I got to share it at the 5 this a couple weeks ago. I was going to uh, watch Iron Man 2. Anybody seen that movie? It's terrible. Terrible. But I came back, I was really disappointed, really struggling that night, because I'm just like, what a terrible movie, what a waste of time. But reality is, I'm sorry if there's any Iron Man 2 lovers in here. But uh, I, I dropped off my car here, because we carpooled with all my bros, and so uh, we went back, I got my car, and I'm driving back home, I take a ride on, uh, Pleasant Street is right here, I take a ride on Main Street, past Nick's Pizza, past the Town Hall, and I'm going over these train tracks, and to my left, this is probably 11.45 at night on a springtime night. Now, it was pretty cold, maybe 30, 40 degrees outside. And I look to my left, and I see a girl on crutches. I look at her, and I'm like, why is a girl on crutches in this cold weather? She's only got a long sleeve shirt on. And I look to the left, and I just see her. And I also hear, when my window's up, I hear a girl crying. So I put it together, and I'm like, is this girl crying on crutches at midnight? I'm like, what's going on right here? Roll down my window a little bit more, and sure enough, I hear a confirm it. Yes, she was absolutely crying. And she's not only crying, but she's bawling her eyes out crying. So I'm driving by, and I'm kind of just like, what's, what's happening right now? You know, and I'm like, do I help her? I'm, I'm battling in my head. Do I help her? What if somebody saw me? I pick up this girl. Look like I'm a pervert on the road. Like that's not what I want. You know, so I keep driving. And I'm kind of like, I keep driving. I'm thinking about. It. I'm like, do, should I stop? And I just really feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me, you see somebody hurting. How dare you drive by them? Sure enough, stop in my tracks, take a U-turn, and I stop right where she was. I rolled down my window. I, I said, young lady, are you okay? Um, do you need help or anything? And she's crying her eyes out. She's just on crutches. She got a boot on as well. She turns to me. I got kicked out of my house. I, I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm trying to ask my friend if I can go to her house, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, where, your friend, where does your friend live? And she says, that she lives all the way in Marlboro. And what you need to know is uh, Ashland to Marlboro, a drive is about 20 to 30 minutes. Could be longer, could be a little bit less. And she's on crutches. So she was going to crutch her way all the way to Marlboro, crying her eyes out as she just got kicked out of her house, not knowing what she's going to do, not knowing if she's going to be living at her house again or whatever. She has no idea what she's doing. So sure enough, I said, listen, I promise you I'm not creepy. you got to throw that out there if you're going to pick up anybody on the side of the road. <laughs> I'm not creepy. I promise you. Uh, if you need a ride, I can get, I got you. So she looks at me. She looks in the back seat, understandably, because what if you had a chainsaw? That'd be awkward. <laughs> but she looks at me. She looks at me. And she says, I'll take a ride. And so sure enough, she got in my car. I drove off. I was driving back on Pleasant Street, and I just, I just had to throw it out there because I feel like I, just, I needed to. Looked to my left, and I said, uh, this is my church right here. We just passing by right through there. Uh, this is my church. This is actually where I work at. I'm a leader here. We'd love to have you sometime. And she's still crying. She's texting on her phone. And she's like, oh, yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out, sure. Just keep driving. End up dropping her off uh, at Marlboro. Give her my phone number and say, hey, if you need anything, I promise you, I'll be a friend. I got you. So I gave her my phone number. Didn't really hear from her for a couple days. Sure enough, come to church the next Sunday. And uh, I'm emceeing. I'm looking all over the crowd. And over to this left, right over here, I see crutches along the wall. I see this girl, and I see a guy next to her. I'm like, Did maybe, is that Stephanie? That's her name. Is that Stephanie? Did she bring her boyfriend or brother or whatever it is? And so I'm looking. I can't really tell. Uh, I go sit back, service is concluding, so my dad always gives an altar call at the end of the message. Sure enough, I look over to my right, and I confirm, yeah, that's indeed Stephanie. She actually came to church because uh, I invited her. Look over here, and I look at her. My dad says, would you like to accept Jesus? And she raised her hand, and she says, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Better part of the story is the brother, the person she actually ended up bringing, did the same exact thing, and he said, I want to accept, my, my, I want to accept Jesus into my life. Because I just know he's done something for me. Principle here is this. Is that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. You have to make a friend if you want to give somebody Jesus. People do not care what you 
know until they know how much you care. You got to make a friend. You got to make a friend. You got to make a friend. Somebody say, make a friend. Make a friend. Number three, last one, most important of all, is you got to give them Jesus. Got to give them Jesus. At the end of that message in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is basically saying, hey, today salvation has come to this house. I love how he says that. The only way you can get, get salvation is through Jesus. I love in an age where we're preaching all these different things lead all over the place, you know. All these things lead to heaven. Your good works. If you believe in this, if you believe in that. I love how Jesus just says in John 14, he just says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. I was at the mall this one time, and uh, I just remember uh, sitting down. I'm with my friend, and uh, I'm eating Master Walk. I don't know how you say that. I think I said it right. Pardon that accent, that was pretty terrible. But uh, I'm, eating, I'm eating that food, and I'm, by, I'm, I'm with my friend. Okay, fine, I was by myself. Shut up, people. Um, so I'm, I'm eating my food, and all of a sudden, these two people come to this table. One guy throws down his Bible on this table, and then he's with this girl, throws the Bible down, and he just goes, excuse me, sir, uh, uh, do you believe in the Bible? And I'm like, did I have a shirt on that said something about I'm a Christian? But I was, I was glad to have a conversation, and I said, absolutely. He goes, do you believe in God the Father? I said, absolutely. Do you believe in God the Mother? I mean, what? What did you say? Uh, no, I do not believe in God the Mother. And he goes, okay, let me, let me, tell, you this, let me tell you this story. Let me show you something in Scripture. goes to Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation and another Scripture in John. Puts all three of these isolated Scriptures and puts this whole theology together that there's God the Mother. And I'm just like, hey, listen, sir, uh, God loves you, but you're an idiot, so stop doing that. And, and so he just begins to have this, this debate with me. And so he keeps going back and forth and stuff, and I don't have time to share you the details, but the reality is I went home wicked frustrated because I'm like, man, how are these people even going to go out and going to share a message like that? I went to my mom and dad, and they basically told me, uh, my mom said something so profound. She goes, oh, I'm so frustrated. Why are people sharing about God the mother when people don't even know God the father yet? And I thought, wow, what, a, what an amazing quote. Um, and I'm just so frustrated. In a place where all these things say, hey, all these doors lead to heaven, Jesus says, I'm the only way. I'm the only truth, and I'm the only life. And if you want to get to the Father, you got to go through me. And I just want to speak this into this house today. Today is the day for your salvation. If there's anybody in here who has been debating or struggling for a long time, I just want to tell you today is the day for your salvation. My pastor in Florida, his name is Justin Daly, he says this, good works without the good news is a good old waste of time. Good works without the good news is a good old waste of time. I think a lot of people in here have a passion for, like, outreach or, or a passion to help people. You know, if we give them a sandwich but we don't give them Jesus, they're still going to hell. I mean, they, may, they may be physically uh, satisfied, but spiritually not. I pray we just become people who just give Jesus away all the time. Good works without the good news is a good old waste of time. I just pray we do these three things. Number one, see the need. Number two, uh, make a friend. And number three, we give him Jesus. Amen? Uh, here's what I want us to do. I want to pray for a couple groups of people. I'm pretty much concluded. And uh, did you get something out of that? I pray you did. I pray you did. I think one thing you can do is, is all of us in here, uh, we all, most of us in here would identify yourself as a Christian. If you're not, that's okay. We love you, and we want to give you an opportunity in just a minute, just probably two minutes, and I'll give you the opportunity to accept Jesus in your heart. But the reality is all of us need to go fishing. Do you accept that? Do you realize that we have a job to do? Yeah. We are called to follow Jesus, and we are called to go fishing. I think all of us need to hear that a little bit more. I think the least you can do, just with Easter coming up, the least you can do is invite somebody to church. The least you can do is share something on your social media or your Facebook and invite a friend. The least you can do is that. I wish we had some more radical Christians that are just leading people to Jesus right on the spot, you know, praying for people in the grocery store, just doing some crazy stuff like that. I love the quote, uh, people who have been radically rescued, radically rescued. I pray we just have some more people who are just going crazy for God. God, may you set your church on fire. We have some people in here who have so much talent and so much gifts, and yet they're putting it right in the dirt, and they're just letting Jesus, uh, just, just walking out and not doing, and doing what they're properly called to do. We need some people in here who are just going to say, I'm going to give people Jesus. And I want to do this right now. I want to give you this opportunity to, to receive Jesus. So every, every head's bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I believe there's somebody, a few people in here actually, where you need to accept the Lord, Jesus Christ, 
as your Savior. Let me tell you today, today is the day salvation comes to this house, to your house, into your heart. So on a count of three, I'm just going to ask you really fast to just shoot up your hand and say, I want to accept Jesus in my life. On three, okay? You ready? Nobody's looking. This is between us. One, God loves you. Two, Jesus died for you, and he'd do it again if he had to. Three, raise up your hand. If that's you, if that's you, just raise your hand. I see 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 your hand in the back there. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? I think that's seven people that just raised their hand. Thank you so much, Jesus. Uh, just between us, all of us, would you just repeat this after me? Say, Father, thank you for dying for me. Jesus, I accept you in my heart. I ask you into my life. I repent of my sins, and I turn to you. I love you, Lord. I'll live for you all the days of my life. All the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I ask that you would seal this prayer in their hearts. And God, will we genuinely make some disciples, put some people, set them on fire for you, God, because when somebody's on fire, there's nothing that can stop them. In Jesus' name. You guys can open your eyes. Uh, just let me do this last thing, just kind of the, the part, the whole message I've been talking about fishing. And uh, I just really think that we need some people who need to start fishing more. Um, if that's you, uh, would you just identify yourself just by hand raise? I, I want to I get better at fishing for people. Is there anybody in here that says, I want to go and seek and save the lost? Anybody in here? Good. I'm so glad that, that that's the response. Let me tell you this last story. Under the Influence series, uh, I went up to the altar because I, I've been raised and submerged in this ministry life. You know, some of my biggest... My, my greatest heroes are people of the faith, people who have just uh, are pastors or preachers. But I decided that I don't want to just be a great preacher, and I'm developing into a better and better communicator, and I'm trying my hardest. I really want to do this with my life. I, I love it. But I decided I want to be a better liver than I am a preacher. I want to be a better Christian than I am a communicator. And, uh, and this has just been my heart, you know. And um, I went up to the altar one week and under the influence, and I went right to my dad, just a beeline right to my dad. And I said, Pops, here's the deal. I have some fears. Is I have a fear of man. And I told him that straight up. I said, God, Dad, I have a fear of man. And uh, I've heard stories that you shared about leading people to the Lord right on the spot. I've heard, I've heard all these different things. I've heard all these stories. And I just want that. But I have this legitimate fear and these chains that I need to get free of. And I went right to him. I said, Dad, I want you to pray for me. Because I want to get rid of that fear. I want to go after some people. Because I know some people are dying out there, man. I know there's some people who have, we have this message and yet we're scared to share it. I don't know why, but it's this fear and I think this is a bondage that the devil has put on us and you don't have that any longer. So I just ran a beeline right to that. I said, Dad, I need you to pray for me. And, uh, and he, he was reminded of a verse in that moment in, in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. It says, the wicked flee though no one pursues them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. One of my favorite verses I'm going to get a tattoo on my neck that says that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All the religious people are just like, what? Are you serious? No. Sorry. I had to cry. I had to get it out. I had to get it out and cry because I'm a man. We don't cry. Just kidding. That's totally false. But went right to my dad, beeline right to him, and I said, Dad, I need prayer for this. And he put his hands on me, laid his hands on me, and he said, Father, in Jesus' name, release the lion. And that's what he told me. And legitimately, and this may sound spiritual, this may sound freaky to you, but this is what happened to me, is I literally felt a freedom, a weight come off of me. And I've never been the same since. I've never invited more people to Christ, um, more people to church. I've never seen more people accept Christ in my life just through personal experiences. I mean, waiters and waitresses that I've had at restaurants, they've been coming to church, they've been getting saved. I've prayed for more people than I've ever prayed before. before. And I think there's some Christians in here who just need to release the lion. I think there's some people who just genuinely need this message and need to get free. Is there anybody here that would like that prayer? The righteous are as bold as a lion. So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to ask you to get a little uncomfortable for a minute. My dad, I went up right to the altar, and I think, I don't know if it's the prayer that necessarily changed my heart, but I do know the prayer plus the faith just made something happen. 
And I think one thing about the altar, I believe that where the altar is, destinies are changed, people are healed, lives are transformed right here at the altar. And I really just want to ask you, if this is you, if you really want this to be a part of your life, if you want to release the line, if you don't want to have that fear and those chains and that bondage any longer, I'm just going to ask you to come forward right now. Come on forward. If that was you that raised your hand and you want to release the line, come forward. My father is going to pray for you real fast. He's going to do the same exact prayer that he prayed for me. And I just believe we're going to see some people get healed and some people get set free from some chains. Fill it up. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Lord. Because we got a job to do. Let me speak to you last real, real fast. Thank you, Jesus. We got a job to do. Thank, Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. That's awesome, man. Wasn't expecting that many, but that's awesome. Let me give you this last illustration. I'm going to have my dad pray Go for you. Go ahead, get we'll it real dismiss. tight so you can get real as, tight, real as tight. close as possible. Thank you. Get close. If you can all hear me, that's awesome, man. Hey, as a church, Connect Community Church, we have a job to do, and we got to see some people saved. We're going to seek and save the lost. We're going to see more salvations this year than ever before. Would you agree with me? Say amen to that. We're going to see more people saved than ever before, and I just believe that this is a year of salvation. And Dad's going to be preaching all along this year. He, we're just going to see people saved more than ever before. I was reminded of an illustration. I have a dog named Hunter. You guys have probably heard of him. He's a gangster dog. Love that dog. <laughs> Here's the deal. When you have a dog on a leash, when you have a dog on a leash, uh, they are tamed, you know? But as soon as you let them off the leash, what do they do? They go out and they pee on all this stuff. That's why I didn't bring Hunter. That's why I didn't bring Hunter today. It's because I knew he was going to pee on everybody. But as soon as you let them off the leash, what does that, what does that signify? Freedom. Freedom. It also signifies they're marking their territory. And I think we got to get some Christians let off the leash. They're going to release some of these lions, and they're going to go and mark some territory. So, Dad, would you lead us in this prayer? And we just, we just all believe in that. We're going to have some lions released from our lives. Amen. In Jesus' name. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And put your hand in your heart as if I was putting my hand right on your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord, boldly. I thank you, God, that you have a church that is responsive. I do believe that you respond to our faith. Our faith plus our prayer produces powerful results, God. Oh, glory to God. I had this quote my wife shared with me from Lisa Bevere. It says, there's nothing more dangerous than being in the presence of lions when they are fully awake. I pray in Jesus' name that the lions would be awakened in each and every believer that is in and within the sound of my voice. Every believer that's even online right now that's listening, that's being challenged and moved, I pray in Jesus' name that the lion awake, the bold lion in Jesus' name awake, the same God that released me from the fear of man the need for the approval of man more than the approval of God. There are many, Lord, that were under the sound of your voice when you were even present and they wanted the praises of men more than the praises of God. Lord, I pray that we not be that kind of a church in Jesus' name. But we be a church that is surrendered to the voice of God, that is obedient to the voice of God, that is compliant that is compassionate like you were, God, where our compassion would supersede even our incompetence, where we think we don't know enough and we haven't received enough, we haven't learned enough, God. It, it's not that that moves people's hearts. It's not that that changes people's lives. It's simply meeting the need. It's simply making a friend. It's simply giving them Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that that simple message would be our simple uh, uh, mantra, our, 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 the thing that we shout, the thing that we live and practice and take from these four walls and out, Lord, into the streets, into the highways and the byways and the country lanes and all the places where we have influence in Jesus' name. I pray that every lion would be fully awake, God, and that where they have placed their hand on their heart, that there would be a connection between them being Jesus with skin on to the world, that they are the hands and feet of Jesus, but it is motivated by love, God, that their love for people would increase, Lord, that you would break the power of indifference and I don't care and selfishness where we put ourselves on the throne and we set up putting Christ on the throne again. Where we, like Ali said, we take our hands off the wheel in Jesus' name. And we do it because you said so. 
because Jesus said so, because people are lost and dying. And since the fall, I just think about what, what the Holy Spirit was saying to me in my seat was, God came into this world and he breathed life into man and he became a living soul, Genesis 2-7. He breathed life into his spirit, he breathed life into his mind, into his body. And then man sinned and his spirit became dead. And the enemy lied and said, oh, you shall not surely die, you shall not surely die. He would eventually die physically, he would eventually die mentally, but he died spiritually right then in that moment. And mankind has inherited that spiritual death ever since. And it's Jesus is the only one who brings that back to life. And we are called to be the ones that bring that life, that, that ambassador, that messenger of Jesus Christ to quicken not just their mortal bodies, not just to renew their mind, but to bring their spirit back to life again because Jesus in us is ministered to them and it quickens them to become sons and daughters of God, saved, blood-bought, and blood-washed. Lord, and I pray that you, you just quicken this entire body with your fire, God. Many of us who are always going to be in a constant state of, 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 of getting free and getting free and getting free. But sometimes we get free by getting on fire. Sometimes we grow because we care about somebody else and we tell somebody else about Jesus. And we, we, take, we, take, we go out of our way to make disciples. And in doing so, we become better disciples in the process. And I pray in Jesus' name for an anointing on every single person. And that you do what I said to my son and what you did to me. Release the lion and the lioness. Release the lion and the lioness. Release the lion and the lioness. No more fear. No more intimidation. Break the power of intimidation. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind power, love, and a sound mind. God, you're going to make your church powerful. You're going to make your church unafraid and unintimidated. We will have a roar, God, that will be heard. We will not be silenced any longer. This is our day. This is the day where New England, the church of Jesus Christ, comes alive, and people are different because they came into the house of God, and they're no longer the same. No longer the same. Never, never, never again in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a big amen. Let's, hey, let's give the Lord a big praise like he's here.